Word of God right away. How many are ready for the Word of God? Amen. So, Father God, we thank you for your word. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you praise, Lord God, for the word of God is living, powerful, and sharp and alive. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I am excited about my message this morning. As you can tell, um, as your pastor, I'm really just trying to find my spot here. I'm really trying to condition our church to tap into this um, move of revival that God is doing and really teach us how to go past just a song service and really learn to enter into true worship. Amen. And how many, that wasn't so comfortable, was it? It's not always so comfortable when we really just get all of the stuff out of the way and just allow our hearts to connect to the Father. And if we can truly learn that in this relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you, you can change everything that's going wrong in your life when you learn to really tap into the presence of God. It's not enough just to have a good church service, is it? Because a good church service doesn't go home with us when we have a trial that knocks on our door. But when we really learn the presence of God, and that's why I'm willing as your pastor to just kind of make us uncomfortable a little bit. Because it's in those uncomfortable places that God takes us a little bit deeper with him. And we realize who he is and where he is. And that he's there Monday, come on somebody, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That God never leaves us, he never forsakes us, and we've got to learn to pull on that presence every day of the week. And I truly believe, and I know God is shifting his church. I'm talking about the big church. And faith builders, I just want to encourage you to really get ready. Take the word of God that's coming forth from the platform right now because we're just not in a training season right now. I believe the last three years that we've been together, we've been kind of positioning and training and learning some leadership and going in our identity with Jesus. But I believe that Faith Builders is entering, entering the hour of revival and that there is a prophetic sound that is coming from the throne room of heaven that I am not just putting together messages right now to have a series I'm putting messages together that are being birthed by the Holy Spirit, and that it's a prophetic sound, it's a prophetic voice, that I think we are living in such a time as this moment, not only in the kingdom of God, for, but for Faith Builders Church. I believe this church is going to be filled with people that are going to give their lives to Jesus. They're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit as signs, wonders, and miracles, and we're going to shake this city for Jesus Christ, amen, because I don't want to do church anymore. I don't want to play church. I don't want to have church growth procedures. I want to allow the Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way to do what he wants to do, amen, because there's a beautiful spirit of the Lord coming, and I know there's revival. There's no doubt we've been talking about it, but this message, some of this that I'm going to share with you this morning. I did share with our directors and, and then I've added to it, but I believe if we truly want revival, and we do, amen, we all want revival, we want something special with God. If we do, something we have to realize is revival begins with me. Now, not me, so I want you to repeat this after me. Say, revival begins with me. See, that's all y'all too. Revival begins with us. 
It's not going to happen in the church until the church people get on fire for God once again, until we get revived and we get our passion back and we get our zeal back. And I don't mean you don't love God. I don't mean that you don't love serving in the kingdom and being faithful, but I'm talking about igniting a passion on the inside of you that you cannot put out. I've been fortunate to live through a couple movements of God. One of them was I was very young, the Jesus movement. Does anybody remember the Jesus movement? I found Jesus stickers, y'all. Okay, I'm dating myself. But when Jesus shows up on the scene, you cannot stop him. You don't have to manufacture church. People are here early at the altars worshiping God. People are here afterwards crying out to God. People are winning their friends and neighbors to Jesus Christ. That's a church that's on fire, amen? When you read statistics like I have over the last few weeks of mega churches that run 10, 15,000 people, and the mega churches pastors are saying what's so sad is 4% of those people are the lost. 4%, and I'm not down in big churches, they're saying this, that they've looked back at their records and 4% of the people came off the streets and did not know Jesus. The rest of them were church-shifting people. Now, we'll take people to build the kingdom, amen? But God isn't looking for that. He's looking for the world to be one to him. It is not about megachurch status. It's about reaching the world for Jesus Christ. And it's not going to happen until we as his kids who love him get that fire back in our spirit again. Get that ignited under our soul, amen, and say, I want to do something for Jesus. So my message this morning is how to have a personal revival. And listen, we all need it, okay? So don't take notes for somebody else. We all need personal revival. We all need to get back excited again. I'm a leader in the kingdom of God right now, and I'm asking, Lord, give me personal revival, God. Amen. Ignite me on the inside. The scripture verse I want to open up with this morning is Luke 12, 35. And the girls don't have it because it's so small, but it says this. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Now, what does that mean? Back in the Bible days, they, all the men, even the army men, would wear, um, they'd wear skirts. You know, they had the different layers. And what they would do is they'd say, before you go into battle, you have to prepare yourself. And what they would do is they would take their skirts and they would tie them up around the top of their thigh. They would gird it up. Why? So they would be ready to run in battle. What were they doing? They were preparing themselves. I believe God is calling by his spirit for the church to prepare ourselves. We have to get positioned and ready for what God is doing. It's not going to happen tomorrow, but I guarantee you it is going to come. So God is saying all those things that are weighing us down, all those things that we're disappointed with, all the layers of garbage that's going on in our life, God says it's time to lift them up and get rid of them. Amen. It's time to get positioned for where God wants to bring the church. We don't have time in this new season of 2020 where we have to keep looking back with disappointment, looking back with offense, looking back with unforgiveness. Listen, all those things are weighing us down. We've got to lift them up, amen, and begin to run the race of faith God has called us to run. Put those things behind us. It's time to shut the door, lock it up, throw away the key, tell the devil he can have your past, but Jesus is going to have your future. Amen? 
We don't have time to look back. We don't have time for all these distractions. Why do you think the devil is trying so hard right now in our world to bring division and strife and anger? If you read the Bible, the Bible says, in the last days, many offenses will come. Have you ever seen a time in the world where there's so many people offended? And guess what? It's somebody in a blue chair across the sanctuary from you. Why? Because that's what the devil wants. I know we have a lot of stuff out here showing itself, and there's some things that we can do in the natural, and I want to do in the natural, but I'm going to tell you, the root of this thing is demonic, and it's to divide the kingdom of God. It's to separate believers from believers from each other, so that we are focusing on arguing about all these things, and are there righteous cause? Yes. You can listen to my Wednesday night teaching. It's on YouTube, and it's my passion is to do what we can do. When you've done all the stand, you stand there for. But we also cannot be deceived and keep looking at what's here screaming so loud and not recognize what's going on underneath. Underneath, it is the devil, it is division, and we are the church. And the church needs to rise up as the church of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. So he said, gird up your loins. In other words, quit worrying about all those things that you can't change anyway. And he went on to say, and keep your lamps burning. It is time for the church to get on fire again, amen. It's time for us to burn our lamps, fill it with the oil in the presence of God because God is doing a new thing in this moment. So what is personal revival? How do we do personal revival? One is stirring up the Holy Spirit in your life. And I'm so glad that the Lord just had me slow everything down today. And I'll be really honest with you, that is so uncomfortable to do as a pastor. Because you want everything, you know, you want everything right, but we just slow down. And you can stir up the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is your power. He's your authority. He's your leader. He's the author of all truth. When you were born again, the Holy Spirit came on the inside of you. When you were baptized with the second baptism, you were filled with the tongues and the utterance of speaking in tongues, which is the language of God. The church, we need to start stirring up the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Do you hear the clarion call? Do you hear the Holy Spirit? It's a voice in the heavenlies that is making a sound, and I hear it so clearly. And that's why as a pastor I'm saying get positioned, get ready for what God wants to do because it's going to be a move of his spirit and not a move of man. And this revival is not going to look like revivals of past. And I know Christians, we've got it all out, you know, what it should look like. And I'm not downing other ministries and and what's happening, but I'm just saying I don't believe that's what revival is going to be like we used to see because those blow up and dissipate. But I'm talking about a revival where the church of Jesus Christ rises up in authority, goes to the co-workers and wins them to Jesus, wins their families to Jesus Christ, lays hands on the sick and see them recover. When we see the harvest is ripe and ready, that's when we will see revival. Because that's what God is looking for, his church out there. That's why faith builders were trying to turn you inside out. Yes, we're going to have good church. Yes, I'm believing for more good church, but that's not the end result. The end result is the world being born again, delivered, transformed, converted by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And truly being changed. What else is personal revival? It's a spiritual excitement. I, you know, I grew up in that revival moment, and boy, we couldn't wait to get to church. 
oh, my gosh, my parents, you know, we were the first ones at church. Of course, you all know Bishop. We were the first ones there and the last one to go. But we couldn't wait to get to church. People were lining up around the church building, fighting to get in the door to make sure they got to the front to sit at the altar because the Spirit of God was so strong and manifesting. People couldn't wait to get home, have lunch, take a quick nap, and get back to Sunday night service where the Spirit of God, where revival was happening. People were being healed. People were being saved. They were weeping at the altars. You couldn't leave the altars till midnight, not because it was man-made, because there was a move of God. Something like that you can't make happen, but God can make that happen. And if his church is saying, I want this, God, revival, get me excited, revive me again, fan the flames of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me so that I can see what God is trying to do in this season. I tell you what, when a church gets on fire from God, from God, from the Holy Spirit, it gets a lot of fun. Church is fun. You don't feel like you got to get there. I have a responsibility to get my kids there. No, you cannot wait to get to the house of the Lord. And then you can't wait to take what God gave you and give it away. You'll be on the phone calling this person and that man. You don't believe what God did. There was demons coming out of that person. It was crazy. And they walked out, came in crippled, walked out healed. I mean, that's what God wants to do. Amen. But that's only going to come when you want revival. You personally want to be revived. It's not going to come because I want it. I'm going to push you all as hard as I can in that direction. I promise you. That's going to be my aim. That's my assignment by the Holy Spirit. But you have to want it. You have to say, Lord, stir me up. Personal revival is is enlarging our motivation to minister. I don't mean pulpit ministry. Trust me, if you had the pulpit, you would not like it. Leading a church is not easy. It's not. It's a joy when you're called, but that's not ministry. This is not ministry. Do you know, this is like, a, this is like the uh, topping on a cake. Like, this is so awesome. This preaching part is awesome. But every day, praying for you. Every day, caring. Every day, wondering, are you all right? Every day, wondering if the family is taken care of. That's ministry. Well, guess what? You get to do that, too. You don't have to be in full five ministry, full fivefold ministry to care about people, to love your neighbor, to wonder, are they eating? Are their children happy? Do they know Jesus? Can I pray with them? Quinny asked me a question. This is a long time ago, but she said, well, you know, when you pray for people, what if they don't get healed? Has everybody ever thought about that? Like, man, you really want God to, you know, don't disappoint God when I pray for them. And you know, I told her, I said, the priority is not about them being healed. The most important thing is they feel the presence of God. That's my responsibility. I'm going to pour out the anointing upon them. God, it's your job to heal. But I'm telling you, somebody that feels God's presence will be drawn to him. Amen? So our responsibility is just loving someone, holding their hands, praying with them. But we have to be revived so that when I go out, I'm sensing people that are hurting. I'm sensitive to my coworker. Maybe she's being abused or can't pay a bill or whatever it is. Amen. There's a sense to that revival. There is a, needs to be a cry on the inside of us as his kids. There needs to be a cry. And you know what? We have to cry out to God for that. Personal revival does not come automatically. It's not going to be a matter of, there you go. No, I have to cry out, God. And I'm going to teach you how to do that this morning. So what is revival? Revival is something dead coming back to life again. Something dead coming back to life again. But it also means conditioning and the strength of something. What does God want to do ultimately? He wants to make his church strong again. He wants his church to have his power back in it again. 
He doesn't want his church weak and anemic and not showing his real power. So when we want revival, we're really saying, God, show yourself off. Amen. Show off God through us. If we want, listen, our church will move forward when we move forward. If we want to bring this church to revival and we want to win this city to Jesus, it's going to be all of us turning and going where God wants us to go. All of us moving towards revival. Amen. As we grow, the church will grow. So I want to ask you this. This is your own personal reflection this morning. From last year to right now, have you changed as a person? Have you changed in your beliefs? Have you changed in what you're aiming for? Have you changed in your time and your relationship with Jesus? Or we have we found ourselves stuck in the same place that we were, amen? And so many of you are shaking your heads yes, and it's just blessing my heart like crazy. Because that's what you are. You're a word church, and you do do that. So how do we have a personal relation, or this personal revival? And I've talked about this a little bit with our team, but we're going to be talking about going through the changing room. We have to go into the changing room, everybody. God wants to do something different in our life. And in order for him to change the world, we have to allow him to change us. Amen? There's a place in your walk with God where God has allowed us to get where we're at right now, whatever situation, whatever circumstance you have found yourself in, but God is calling the church and calling us individually to get into the changing room. And what does that mean? I'm going to take everything off that's old, and I'm going to put on the new. And let me give you an example. If, you're, if you get home from work and you dress a certain way when you go to your job, and then when you get home, you decide, I'm going to go to the gym, what do you got to do? I'm going to get in the changing room, and I'm going to take off the clothes that don't work for the environment I'm about to go into. Those clothes don't work anymore, but I got to go through the changing room. I got to take off the heavy, dirty things. I got to take off the boots that are heavy and not going to give me success for the next season. Listen, when you're in the changing room, it means you're alone with God. You're by yourself. God gets you alone in the changing room. He's calling the church to this time of change, to put the past behind us and put on the new, the image of Christ Jesus, put on the word of God. Remember who you are as sons and daughters of the king, amen. He wants us to come out of this intimate time with him changed and different and ready and all the old is away and I'm positioned to do what God's called me to do in the new. Time to let it go, amen. Allow God to take us into that changing room. And listen, there are times and seasons, and I'm sure we can look at the last 10 weeks we've been in have been a changing room for us as Christians. And you probably didn't even realize it, but God putting us all on the back burner, you know, well, this COVID, and you know what I'm saying, but in this moment where God ultimately exists, he is putting us in a season to say, listen, I'm slowing you down for a reason because I want to get your attention. I want you to hear the call for the next season. It's not going to look like it used to look. It's not going to feel like it used to feel. You're not even going to take the old scriptures of, scriptures of old revelation. I'm going to take you to a new anointing and a new experience experience and a new voice of my Holy Spirit. How many want to go through the changing room? I do. I got to be willing to take something off and put something on so I can walk into the environment of the next season. And that environment is going to be the power of the Holy Spirit. That environment is going to be signs, wonders, and miracles. That environment is going to be this city set on fire. 
in first service I shared, I think it was in first service, so remind me if I shared it already. I don't think I did. But the Lord showed me the positions of the churches. Did I share this in Okay, so the Lord showed me that um, when we were doing our 21 days of prayer and fasting just this year, um, I had a vision of all these little churches strategically placed along, and I saw Phoenix, the Phoenix Valley. And they were not churches that were big. They were not churches that were popular or known, but they were churches who said, I will allow the Holy Spirit to flow in God's house. I will allow the freedom of God for the signs, wonders, and miracles. And the Lord showed me that when those churches are assigned by the Holy Spirit, they're all going to burst up at one moment, and they're going to shine from underground, and people are going to wonder, where did those churches come from? And that is what's going to take this city for Jesus Christ. It's not going to be one church building 10,000 stadium. Listen to me. This is going to be churches all set up strategic by the Holy Spirit to do the will of the Father. And they are churches who have been prepared underground. They're people who wondered, where has God been? What is God doing? I don't like this season. I'm not comfortable. God, my life looks backwards. It's those churches that God says, because you trusted me and because you remain faithful, I'm going to show my power through you. Amen? Why? Because we're willing to go through the changing room. We're willing to allow God to speak to us in this season and say, I'm not going to the rest of this year like I was before. I am purposely and making a decision to change. Now, those changing rooms look like many things in the Word of God. We, we learned about Paul when he was held in captivity in, in the Roman prisons. That was, he wondered that was a changing room. God showed him that his voice could be used different in a way he didn't expect it to be used. We saw um, changing room in the desert, right, in the wilderness, when the children of Israel were stuck in Egypt. And where did God first take them? Through the wilderness. And we think in our Western culture that the wilderness is a bad thing. But the Jewish people believe, no, it's not a bad thing. That's where the presence of God was. That's where the refreshing was. That was where the renewing was. That was where we heard God and saw God in a miraculous way and we never experienced in Egypt. So sometimes we're going in this wilderness experience and God says, no, I'm right there because that's the changing room. It's in that time where God pulls you alone that he meets you on the road. And you know what that is? That is called new wineskins. There are new wineskins on the church of Jesus Christ. And there are new wineskins on his kids. And I'm sure you all can feel it, but you're not sure what it is. It's uncomfortable. I don't like it. What's going on? What, what's God doing? Why doesn't it work like the way it used to work? Why doesn't that fulfill me anymore? Because it's new wineskins. Because God says, I'm going to pour my new wine of my spirit in this such a time as this moment. I'm going to pour new wine out on my earth. And if I pour new wine into old wineskins, they'll burst and break and they'll be ruined. But God says, I'm going to put my new wine into new wineskins. It's Matthew 2.22. I don't have to read it because I just basically quoted it to you. But something I want to show you here is the, the reason why they needed new wineskins was because the old wineskins, after a time, they were made of leather, and they'd pour the, the, you know, the wine in it, and that what would happen is the leather would eventually, um, the oil would begin to evaporate from the leather. Now catch this by the Spirit. If they didn't take care of the leather, the oil would evaporate from the leather, a leather, and what would happen? It would cause the fibers to dry out. And they would pull apart from one another. 
See, we think doing church, having good church is the, the anointing of God. We think having good services and doing things for God is the oil of God. It's not. The oil of God is his presence. It's his worship. It's his intimacy. That's what the changing room is. God's saying, I'm bringing you back to intimacy once again. Why? Because if I took the wine and poured it into your dry bones right now, they'll be spilt out and worthless. But God says, if you allow the wineskins to come out, if you allow the season of being uncomfortable, we don't want to lay things down, do we? Our, our, our flesh doesn't want to change. I don't want to do it different. I, I'm feeling that right now. I want everything back to normal. But guess what? I don't believe it is. Why? Because God is in control. And he's putting new wineskins on his kids that even in calamity, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's what Joel prophesied. If the world never changes, it's okay. It's uncomfortable. But I got the Holy Spirit. But I've got his presence. I've got his voice. I have a faith in me that doesn't make sense. I got a fire in my soul that doesn't make sense. Why am I not afraid like the world? Why am I not wringing my hands? I don't know. But I've allowed God in the changing room of this moment to allow his spirit to arise on the inside of me. His anointing to arise. His passion to arise. That I can see things in the spirit that aren't shown in the natural yet. Let God put those new wineskins on us, amen? And listen, do you know new wineskins, what it means? It means repentance. Why does God move in this moment? Because of repentance comes to the house of the Lord. Repentance, a conviction of things in our life, not being sin conscious, but conviction where our heart is troubled by the Holy Spirit. If we've ever lived in a time where the church doesn't show a conviction and a fear of God, it is right now in his church. And God is calling us back to that reverent fear. But listen, it's not just about sin. It's so much deeper than that. That word repentance means to change one's mind and character. So what does that mean? I came to Jesus messed up. I've been walking with Jesus with some garbage messed up. But now God's got me in the changing room with new wineskins. That means I'm repenting of that thing. I'm changing my mind to the word of God, right? Now my character has changed. And now I'm going to walk in who God's called me to walk in. No longer can the church look like the world. Listen to me. No longer can we look like the world. We've got to walk in the image of Jesus Christ. We've got to walk in his power and his authority. There's got to be a reverent fear to the world to show the power of God. And if the church doesn't have that revival on the inside of us, the conviction of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we will never see the move God has called us to walk into. I've always said this in my walk with God. God, if I didn't have your conviction, I would be terrified. Now, we don't like it, do we? We're not always comfortable when he challenges us, but I know I'm hearing him. But if I fail to hear his conviction, if I fail to hear the Holy Spirit, I would be deeply troubled that somehow I've lost my way to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So what else does it mean? It means a paradigm shift. I don't see things the way that I used to see things. 
Amen. When I had the old wineskins on, I saw things the old way. I saw disappointment. I saw failure. I got offended. All this garbage. But when I come out into the new, I begin to see things the way that God sees them. Let me give you an example. There may have been a time where we talk about, well, the harvest is, is a time for the harvest. It's a time for God to do something. That's my old, right? That's the old wineskins. But when you get in the closet in the changing room and you come out with new wine, you say, today is the day of salvation. The harvest is ripe and they are ready. You begin to see it's not one day we're going to win people to Jesus. No, now we're going to win people to Jesus. Now we're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles. You begin to see what God sees when you allow the new wineskins in the closet. That means all the stuff of the past I don't have time to deal with anymore. I have to see what God sees. Listen, the changing room cannot be avoided. It's a place that God has taken his church. You can stay outside of it. You can stay outside of it. God will never force you, but God is aiming the church for this moment with him. He's claiming his church back. He's claiming his kids back. He's going to make his bride have so much power and so much glory in this hour when the devil is trying to squish it like never before. But the church cannot be defeated by the enemy, amen? God is so much stronger. So the season, the season is in the changing room. Now let me share this quick story with you before I let you go this morning. In Luke chapter 24, it says this, and this was the story of the resurrected Jesus. Everybody say resurrected. Jesus had already resurrected from the dead, and um, he is meeting these people in their changing room. And I want to show you where God will meet people that have lost their way. But in Luke chapter 24, verse 9, the, the women who had saw Jesus, well, didn't see Jesus in the um, cave, says this, verse 9. Then they returned from the tomb, there it is, and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. They were coming to tell the good news that Jesus was no longer there. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things, listen, to the apostles. So they were telling the disciples the truth that Jesus prophesied that he would die and be resurrected once again. They were coming with the message that Jesus preached But where were the disciples at? Verse 11. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. What did the idle tales mean? Nonsense. These these disciples were so in their natural, they could not discern that Jesus had already resurrected. They could not see that they were already walking in the power of Jesus' resurrection and the cross. They could only see the defeat. They didn't discern the moment of the power of the cross. And I feel like we're living in that in this moment, that we are not seeing the moment in the kingdom of God. We don't see this power that God is about to display here on earth. We're looking for what can make us comfortable. Let's put Jesus right back where it was saved. Let's put Jesus right back where we can kind of put him in a box and I know how to handle him. God is saying, I don't want you to look that way. I am resurrected now. In all power, they were still thinking in the pre-resurrection, but they were living in the post-resurrection. We've got to change our mindsets to the season that we're living in the church right now. We are not living in the old ways. There is a new move of the Holy Spirit coming here on earth. And here this word was coming to listen. The disciples, they're about to change the world. Disciples that were going to be entrusted with the church of Christ being birthed, and they were the ones saying, but I can't, I can't discern the time. They couldn't even discern the moment. They're idle tales, right? 
They were thinking this can't be true because Jesus just disappeared. There was no tangible evidence that he really existed. Now, something I want you to really resurrect is something I want you to see here is that they were meeting in Jerusalem, and they got this story from the two women that Jesus had resurrected. And in this part of the story, what I want you to understand is two of the disciples who were discouraged, who couldn't see the truth, who were overwhelmed and wanted things back to be comfortable. And why didn't Jesus just reestablish his throne here on earth already? He said he was going to do that, right? They were so overwhelmed and discouraged that the Bible says they walked to Emmaus. Now, Emmaus was seven miles away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Salome, peace. And two people who didn't understand the moment walked away from peace and walked away from godly people, walked away from their security to go find something that was going to make them happy. It's so easy to leave that comfort zone and walk away. But I want to show you something that's so awesome about Jesus, that even on that journey where they didn't understand and they were walking in this time that seemed discouraging and overwhelming and they just wanted to find themselves, that Jesus met them on their journey. Jesus met them in the closet. See, wherever you're at here today, it's okay. Whatever you're overwhelmed with, whatever you're insecure with, whatever fear you have, Jesus knows where you're at. The resurrected Savior had so much he could do on earth, but he stopped to two men to give them their hope back, to give them their joy back, to let them begin to see the things of the Spirit so they could fulfill the will of God here on earth. Jesus is meeting you right where you're at. And what's so cool is Jesus showed up to these two guys, and he's like, hey, what's up? The Bible says, you have to read it in chapter 24. He just started talking, hey, what's going on? What are you guys upset about? And they started talking to Jesus about Jesus. I mean, how cool. Jesus must have just been like, this is so cool, you know. And they begin to share with him how they were overwhelmed and, you know, we needed him to resurrect and we don't really trust it. And all of this went on. And, they, and Jesus walked with him. Jesus just, what he did, walked and listened. He was in the changing room. He walked and listened because Jesus cares about where you're at. He cares about what you feel. But at the end of the day, he wants to change you. Amen. And so what does it say in verse, um, verse 28? Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he, talking about Jesus, indicated he could have gone a little farther. I want you to get this. Jesus is walking with two men who are discouraged. And where they wanted to stop, Jesus is like, if you need to go further, I can go. It's like, I'm not giving up on you. You need to go. You need to talk some more. You want to work this out? I'm right here for you. Isn't that cool? Jesus will never give up on you. He's just meeting you. He wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to work through this stuff that, but you can never work through it until you meet him alone. Amen? Church is not meeting Jesus. It's a training center. It's a hospital. Amen? Verse 29, but they constrained him saying, abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them, Jesus. He says, all right, I'll hang out here. But what I want you to get the revelation is this, verse 30. Now it came to pass as he, Jesus, sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Now, what is the bread? The word of God. Jesus is saying, okay, the word I gave you before is obviously not in you right now. He says, so I'm going to break new bread with you, and I'm going to give it to you. 
I believe we're living in this season right now that the word of God is going to bring revelation to your heart. If there was ever a time that you need to get deep into the word, and I don't mean just like your daily devotional. Come on, hear me. I'm talking about hearing the word of God. God, Jesus is breaking the word for his believers to get revelation and truth. That you're not just hearing it through me, that when I come and preach this truth, you're going to be screaming me down because God just told you last week when you were studying the word of God on your own. I'm telling you by the spirit of God, the word of God is living right now. It is powerful. You need to open it up and get your notebook out and put your seatbelt on because God is going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you personally and exactly what you need. And when he gave them that bread, listen, they did not discern that Jesus was with them. They did not discern the miracle working power was standing next to them. But when he gave them a fresh revelation of the scriptures, listen to what happened in verse 32. And they said to one another, oh, verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they knew him. All of a sudden, where they couldn't see him, because why? God says, I'm taking the old wineskins off, and I'm going to put the new ones on there so that I can remind you who I really am. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the word of God. I'm the risen Savior. I'm the healer. I'm the deliverer. I am Jesus. And you have all power. You have all authority. You have the same spirit in you that is in me, and I'm breaking that revelation to you. And these people came alive again. And when they wandered away from Jesus, they said, and then Jesus disappeared. Like, how cool is the resurrected Savior? Like, he's so cool. He, like, just shows up and disappears. He walks through walls. Like, that would, that would freak me out if that happened at my house. I'd pass out. He'd have to pick me up. You know, then he could talk to me. But, and then what did he say? Listen, this is so important. Verse 32. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road? What's happening right now as I'm preaching? It's burning within you. I, I, I felt it. I didn't recognize he was something special yet, but I felt it. I felt it. And then when the word came, now I know he's the Savior. I know he's the risen one. And I'm going to go do what he told us to do. And what was that? They birthed the church of Jesus Christ here on earth. Revival happened not just a couple chapters later that we studied last week, Acts, the day of Pentecost. The power of God happened when we meet Jesus in the closet and we allow him to stir us up in revival. Then we can go do the works of the kingdom. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. In the changing room, listen. The, these pre-resurrection doubters, right, became post-resurrection believers. When you get in the closet, God's going to remind you his power, his authority. He's going to remind you of his presence and that you'll be able to come out. Whatever the world brings you, it won't matter because you will have had an encounter with the Savior. Amen? Changing us. How much time do I have? Oh, i got to let you all go. Okay, let me close with this. I'll ask these two questions and then I'll close the scripture verse. Is that a deal? Really quick, in this season, what does God want to subtract, subtract from your life? Ask the Lord, what do you want to take away from me? What do you want, God? What's distracting me? What's weighing me down? Right? What is that? You, only you can know. But before God can add, he has to subtract. Right? Let me give you an example. If, if someone wants to ask you to do something and you said, I'll make time for that. Well, can you really create time? No. You take something away. You take time out of something else to add that. So what do you need to take away? Old beliefs, old habits, old thoughts, forgiveness, whatever it is, it's time to let that go, amen?
Number two, what are the new things that you're believing God to do in 2020? What are you believing God for in this hour? Listen, we declared it's the year of miracles. It is the year of miracles. And if we've ever needed them, it is right now. Amen? The year of miracles. The changing rooms of life is where Jesus changes us so we can change the world. Starts with us. Amen? It's in the changing room of life that Jesus changes us so we can change the world. Now let me close you with the best part of the story. Go to the last two verses of this story, after they had the revelation of Jesus, verse 32, and they worshiped him, and what did they do? They returned, oh, uh, 24, verse 51, 52. I'll just read it while they get that up there. There it is. And they worshiped him, and what did they do? They're seven miles away from God, his presence, his peace, his people. What did they do? They worshiped him and made their way back to peace. And with what? Great joy. All the things they were overwhelmed with, all the things that were burning them, they went back to Jerusalem with great joy. And what did they do in verse 53? And were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. What is that? That's a happy church. That's a satisfied church. That's a church on fire. That's a church of revival, amen, when we are happy and praising God and blessed, amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for these amazing people. I thank you for what you're doing, Father God. If there's anyone here this morning that needs to make Jesus the Lord of your life, right now is that moment. It doesn't matter how many times you've asked Jesus in your life. It doesn't matter. It's just your heart being transformed by the Holy Spirit as, as we pray together this morning. Maybe you're coming back to Jesus. Maybe you're a prodigal son and daughter. I don't know where you're at. It doesn't matter, but God knows. So I want you to say this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me all of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can look at me this morning. If you said that prayer today or, or just maybe coming back to the Lord or wherever you're at, we want to come alongside of you. Listen, don't do it alone. We have a discipleship program called Following Jesus. We're launching, and we want to take you through that. We want to come alongside of you and teach you how to have this relationship with Jesus. Amen. We're also launching our Celebrate Recovery on a Wednesday night coming up here, and I'm so excited about that. So let guest services know. We want to get your information to us so that we can be a part of your life. Amen. And your journey. Love you all so much. Let's welcome Pastor Paul.